we will all encounter obstacles in our life. What matters is how we deal with them. Do we see them as holding us down or lifting us up? Guys with grit know that those obstacles are building them up and learn from them to rise. Welcome to the Rising Father Podcast. I'm Chris Rodak. This is episode three. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we're talking all about overcoming obstacles. I'm going to take you through Tony Robbins' 10 Steps to Overcoming Fear. We're going to talk about everyday examples from the Rising Father community, real fathers, real men who have overcame unbelievable things. Some of these blew me away when I asked the community. And then some famous people, some people you probably probably know, some things that they've overcome. So, as dads, as men, we have things we have to overcome. Some of them are small, some of them are large. Some of us have really overcame amazing things and are successful in just living a great life afterwards. And you're going to hear some of those stories coming up. A lot of the reason I wanted to tackle this is personally, you know, recently when I don't get to work out a lot, it kind of makes me anxious. And because of my shoulder recovery, I haven't been able to do jujitsu every day like I used to, and I can't work out like I used to. It's not an excuse. I could be running. I could be doing squats. I could be doing a lot of things. I'm doing leg workouts, but not as intensely as I should. So when I get into that zone, I get a little anxious about small problems. And those small problems build up in my head to become really big problems, and then when I did this post, I knew that was happening. I did this post and I saw some things that these guys are overcoming. And I was like, man, Chris, you're acting like an idiot. These are not big problems. This is so first world of you. And then, of course, we've got the war in Ukraine happening. I see stories of those people, you know, throwing Molotov cocktails at tanks. And here's me worrying about the little daily stuff that I have. So I'm sure a lot of us are in that situation where we build up little things of our day and make them bigger than they are. It happens to everyone. That's kind of a signal of having a good life. If you have, you know, if you're worried about putting food on the table, you're, you don't have time to worry about the small things. So if you're letting small things build up into big things in your head, then hey, you've got it going pretty good. But you can, what that starts to do is affect the people around you. So that starts to affect your wife, your kids, your friends, your coworkers, whenever you're just anxious over nothing. So some of these stories will hopefully put that into perspective. Some of us are actually going through huge things. And maybe through some of these stories, this will help you deal with that. You know, maybe you're going through something really big, but someone in the story is going through something bigger and they overcame it. So it'll give you hope and maybe some strategies to deal with that. So first, let's start off with some people you probably have heard of, some more famous celebrity types that have overcame great things and are doing successful. First off, I'm sure you've heard of him, Thomas Edison. Okay, so you may you know he's had thousands of inventions, the light bulb. There's a little bit of controversy there. Did he invent it? Did Tesla invent it? I don't know all the facts and details, but he definitely invented thousands of inventions. Um, but he did have some significant hurdles he had to overcome. Now there's been there's been millions of really smart people, you know, throughout history, obviously billions, and not all of them turned out to be Thomas Edison. 
Some of them probably had some fear, some doubt, some obstacles that came in the way, but they didn't turn out to be Thomas Edison. They didn't have thousands of inventions. You know, they let an obstacle come in their way, then they quit. They let it become too big in their head. They didn't decide to overcome it. They said, this is all I can do. I don't want to, I don't want to go into that. I'm done. So Thomas Edison had impaired hearing, which led to social and academic challenges. So he could barely hear. He struggled with schoolwork, believe it or not. So Thomas Edison, one of the smartest guys ever, struggled at school. He was told by one teacher he was too stupid to learn anything. Now that's just about the worst thing I could, you know, I've ever heard that a teacher would do that. You know, I'm a teacher. You know, you don't say that to kids. That's a horrible thing to do. As I talk about all the time, as a parent, as a mentor, as someone who, all of us, as people who help young people, you know, you don't have to be a teacher, you don't have to be a parent, but when you come in contact with young people, they look, in general, they look up to you and value what you say more so than one of their peers. You have the potential to crush or build someone up with every word. So saying something like that to a young kid could be crippling to the to the wrong kid. It could be crippling to the wrong kid, or it can be a motivator to the right kid. It could be, you know, to the right kid, to Thomas Edison. It could be, hey, I'm going to show you who's stupid. Um, he also had attention deficit disorder and dyslexia. And, you know, nowadays, a third of the population is diagnosed with ADHD or ADD and or some type of um, impairment. And, you know, there's pluses and minuses to that. Um, but he overcame any of those reasons as to why he couldn't succeed. A lot of people would have those as reasons to not be successful. You know, you would go through your life not really accomplishing much, and you say, oh, well, I didn't do that because my teacher said I was stupid, I had ADD, I had ADHD, and I could barely hear. So because of that, it makes sense that I did nothing. But he went on to develop the first commercially viable light bulb. His phonograph began the era of sound recording. He independently developed a carbon microphone. He developed the earliest practical stock ticker machine and the quadruplex telegraph. Oh, and also he established the first large-scale research institute. So just, those are just five of the things he's done. He's done thousands. He's has, he has thousands of inventions. Feel free to Google them. Um, but those are five of them. Walt Disney, you might not have known that Walt Disney overcame some challenges. He also had attention deficit disorder. Um, he got fired from his first job. Now, believe this reason. It's unbelievable. He says, boss said that he had no imagination. Now, you think about Walt Disney. Think about the Disney movies, Disney World. He's maybe the most imaginative person that we know of. You know, there's pr probably very imaginative people out there we don't know of. But in terms of someone who created a billion dollar industry we who else is there who's known for imagination more than Walt Disney so he had once again someone tell him a person of authority told him that he wasn't good enough that he had no imagination that he's going to amount to nothing and then he became what he is you know he developed one of the greatest um, entertainment industries and companies in the world Albert Einstein okay another genius. He had dyslexia. He didn't speak until age four. For those of us who have kids, you know, whenever you say you have a 
a kid who's in first, second grade, and they have to go to speech class to work on their TH sounds. It's like, oh, my goodness, nowadays it's red flag. You know, it's, oh, i got to get private tutoring. My kid's going to amount to nothing if I don't nip this in the butt right now. Albert Einstein couldn't speak until he was age four. You know, we need to relax a little bit. We need to chill out. Things are going to be okay. Our kids are going to figure things out. As long as we're involved, as long as we are involved and we're invested in them and they know we care about them, they're going to be okay. And how about this, parents? Albert Einstein got in trouble at school. How about that? Especially, I'm going to do an episode on um, boys in school, okay? How boys interact in school and at home and strategies for encouraging growth in boys. But Albert Einstein got in trouble at school a lot and he had dyslexia and he couldn't speak until he was age four. Okay, nowadays, if you see a kid like that, you think, uh oh, red flag, red flag, red flag. We got to put this kid on a certain track. We have to put this kid on a certain path of intervention because if we don't do something, he's going to end up down a bad road. He was told by teachers, once again, hate to hear this, he was told by teachers he would not amount to anything. Okay, not good. So, obviously, we probably all know many of his inventions. He provided evidence for the atomic theory. He proposed the theory of relativity, awarded the Nobel Prize in physics in 1921, and of course, E equals MC squared, and many other very, very important things. So he didn't let those comments, those thoughts tear him down. He was a watch-me-do-this kind of person, not, you know, we talked about David Goggins some on the past episodes, and his whole attitude was, I'm going to write the story of my life. My story of my life isn't going to be, you tell me what I am. It's going to be, watch me do this. You know, it wasn't going to be, you know, I'm fat and out of shape, so that's why I can't do this. It was, I'm going to tell people, look what I overcame. You know, that's kind of what I get from these stories. Abraham Lincoln, you may, might not have known that he had severe clinical depression, so much that he was diagnosed with that, and he considered suicide multiple times. Um, short story, in 1841, Lincoln sought a doctor's help for his depression. It isn't known what type of treatment he received, but he later told his law partner, I am now the most miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I awfully forebode, I shall not. Obviously, this is someone from back in the day. According to Joshua Wolf Shank, author of Lincoln's Melancholy, at times, Lincoln's behavior exhibited many of the symptoms of a major depressive episode, including change in appetite, fatigue, feelings of worthlessness, and thoughts of suicide. So no matter what was happening mentally in the guy, he kept on pushing and is one of the most influential and important people in American history. So he had trauma going on on the inside. He had his own internal demons but he kept on going. You know, so many times we've got a project we're working on or a goal that takes a few years. And within that, you know, two, three year goal time, there's so many huge ups and downs. There's roller coaster rides of emotions and obstacles and all kinds. I remember when we started our first business, our first online business, man, did we have obstacles. Okay, we had, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like a people pleaser. I've been that since I was a kid. And Whenever we had a client that wasn't happy, I thought about it so much. I, um, you know, I'd get an email from a client saying they weren't happy with something, and man, that just—that's all I thought about all week. I did everything I could to make it to make it better. And then there's situations where you should do that, and situations where you shouldn't do that. As I learned throughout business, 
you know, clients will sometimes tell you something to get something, and there's a, a kind of a back and forth. But that was early on in our business days when we were first learning what this was all about, learning how to deal with clients, learning how to do our service better, um, learning what they needed. You know, so dealing with strangers who are paying you for a service, that was something completely new to me and and my wife. And dealing with these struggles of these new relationships was difficult for us, but we overcame it. And if you want to do anything with business or sales, you have to just kind of be great at taking criticism, taking feedback, improving, having a tough skin, especially if you're in sales. My goodness, if you're in sales, if you're a realtor, like I said on the last podcast, you know, we have a real estate agency. I know, man, I've talked to hundreds of realtors and they just have a tough skin because people tell them no all the time. Every single call, you know, they'll call 50 people one day and they'll get told no 49 times and they forget about the, forget about it the next day. Because you have to have, you have to have a tough skin. Um, but we had a goal to do what we wanted with our business. We kept on plugging away, kept on pushing, and we were able to get through that. Obviously, many other obstacles occur whenever you have a business. You've got people that don't pay. You've got people that cancel. Um, you've got technology that doesn't work. You've got subcontractors that don't pull through. All these things. You know, I remember being on a date with my wife for Valentine's Day and getting a text from a client about something that was out of our control that we had to solve there on the spot and that wasn't good you know so we eventually transitioned to a different business model we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff but that's for another episode so another guy Nick Vujicic I believe that's how you say his name if you don't know about him great guy to get inspiration and motivation from I highly recommend looking him up. Um, he was born without any limbs, no arms, no legs. Okay, this guy is an inspiration. His, I'll go into his parents in a second because it's kind of not great what his parents did when he was first born. But now he is an inspirational leader. You know, he has hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers on all of his social media. He tours the country. He's kind of like a Tony Robbins type of figure. It's just extremely motivational, gives speeches. He has best-selling books. Um, he's got audio books, audio tapes. And look him up if you want to be inspired. No arms, no legs, best attitude in the world, married, amazing guy. So about his parents, his parents rejected him. as, According to his autobiography, his parents rejected him when he was a baby and left the hospital. His, he said... His mom left the hospital and vomited when she saw him. Yeah, I'm sure your parents think about it like that. Oh, my goodness. I would never do that. But who knows how you would react? And so that's what he said in his autobiography. He said his parents rejected him as a baby. They left the hospital and vomited outside. But now, he says, they eventually raised him very well and were amazing parents and gave him a completely normal childhood. So I think one of his quotes was that his I think his whole family is very religious, and they said, according to you know the grace of God, we accept that this is part of God's plan, and you know he is how he is because of God's plan, on purpose. So whatever you think about that, doesn't matter. It's up to you. But he eventually got through that, and he's an international inspirational figure right now you know, millionaire, 
inspirational speaker, travels the world, doing better than lots of lots of people and inspires tons of people. Can you imagine being born without arms or legs, living your life without arms or legs, the difficulties you would have, you know, having to be carried everywhere, having to go through daily activities like he does would be a, a huge, massive struggle. So, if, you know, for me, sometimes I get upset when, you know, a brush is, or a comb is in the wrong spot or I can't find, you know, my toothbrush in the morning or that someone didn't put the cap on the toothpaste bottle. You know, those things can irritate me. We all have little things that irritate us. And then you think about it, man, I'm upset about this toothpaste cap. What if I had no arms? What if I had no legs? I think that would be a bigger problem. And right now, I'm not nearly as positive or inspired as Nick. Okay, so I should lay, down, lay low a little bit with my issues. Next, Harrison O'Keen. Okay, I just, I looked this up recently. This story blew me away. It was on May 28, 2013. Divers in the wreckage of the Jackson 4 were attempting a triage of the vessel which was 100 feet underwater off the coast of Nigeria after capsizing. What they didn't expect to find was a survivor 100 feet below water. Harrison, Harrison O'Keen was the ship's cook. He was in the latrine when the boat capsized and, later, and tried to reach an emergency exit hatch but failed. The boat began to fill with water with O'Keen trapped inside. Eventually, he found himself trapped with a four-square-foot bubble of air. So you know how if you're in a pool, I remember when I was a kid, we'd have a pool, and then we'd take like a cup and put it on top facing down, and you could push it down all the way to the ground, and then there'd still be that bubble of air. So he was in a four-foot bubble of air. So he was down there for three days. He'd given up hope. Then he heard a knock. It was the hammer of the divers working on the surface of the ship. Eventually, diving gear was brought to him, and he was brought to a decompression chamber where he had to spend two days. He had been at depths that should have killed him in a situation that took the lives of everyone else on board. Unsurprisingly, he vowed never to go out to sea again. So let's get into the... I have more stories, a few more, um, and I also want to talk about the Rising Father stories of real people who are in our community, in our Rising Father group, on the Facebook page, on the Instagram account, including a guy who jumped out headfirst of a third-story window, but we'll get to that. So let's get into Tony Robbins. If you've never heard of Tony Robbins, you need to look him up, watch his stuff, listen to his audio books. He has a special on Netflix called I Am Not Your Guru. That was one of the first times that I listened to him in depth a few years ago, and he knows. He has a wealth of information about self-improvement, how to manage your thinking, emotions, physicality, just to be a strong, great person. So I'm not your guru. I highly recommend that. So let's talk just a f about a few points of his 10 steps to overcoming fear. Okay, so he says overcoming fear. Learning how to conquer your fear begins with finding your center. Here are tried and true tips to overcome fear and anxiety so you can live life at its fullest. Step one. We're not going to go through all of these right now, but here's step one. Identify your fears. Learning how to overcome fear is much like any problem-solving challenge in that you must identify the challenge in order to overcome it. What is it you're afraid of? Sit quietly for a few minutes and observe your thoughts, feelings, and bodily sensations. Write down what comes up and be as specific as you can. 
consider embracing a daily mindfulness meditation practice to gain greater clarity on what drives you. And as you find your center, you'll feel empowered to control your fears. Now, some of that might sound like frou-frou kind of, um, you know, meditation, hippie stuff. And that's okay. It's allowed to. But in order to get better at any of this kind of self-improvement stuff, you have to be open to new suggestions. Because self-improvement means we need to improve ourselves from, a lot of times, that's from outside sources. So if we want to improve ourselves from someone from the outside, we have to be open to new things. This is a new thing. And Tony Robbins is a guy who's helped millions of people. So definitely listen to what he has to say. I've tried meditating. Right now I'm not doing daily meditation. It's something that I wish I was doing. You know, I wish I was doing daily meditation. But right now I just have excuses as to why I can't. I've got excuses like I don't have enough time. I've got excuses like it's too hard. I've got excuses like I've tried it before and I get distracted. And all those are not good reasons to not do it. Okay? None of those are good reasons to not do it. I want to do it, and that is on my, for this year, I want to get into the habit of meditating. One thing that has been helping me is kind of journaling, keeping a daily journal of just my thoughts, what I'm thinking about. Because I've found that if I don't do that, I'm scattered. My brain is scattered, and I end up working on too many different things, and I'm not focused on one thing. And it's okay for me to work on multiple things, but I have to have an end goal in mind. You know, I have to know what I want to be doing two, three years from now. So I can work on five, six different things throughout the day, all pointing towards the same goal and be okay with that. Okay, so step two, I'll go through these two, then we'll get to some more stories. Step two from Tony Robbins says, recognize that fear can work to your advantage. He says, our emotions exist to tell us things. When you feel fear, your soul is trying to tell you something. So listen. If you feel overcome by stress or distracted by a subtle but persistent anxiety, it's likely a subconscious fear that needs your attention. Rather than avoiding it, overcoming fear requires leaning into your anxiety. View the fear as a piece of information instead of a threat to your survival. When you use anxiety to your advantage, it can't ruin your life. In overcoming fear, it becomes your ally, a critical source of guidance to reach your full potential. So that has a little bit of Buddhist thought in it. One of the most beneficial things that I've ever explored was Buddhism. You know, as raised Catholic, we are practicing Christians. We go to a Christian church, but um, I have, and Buddhism isn't really a religion. It's more of a way of thinking to manage yourself. There is a great podcast I would recommend called Secular Buddhism that goes into how to manage your thoughts. It has great parables, great stories, and that's been one of the most beneficial things to me was exploring Buddhism. One of the main themes is don't run from fear or conflict. It is going to happen no matter what. Learn to deal with it. So that's kind of what he's saying here. Find whenever you experience a horrible emotion or fear or any type of problem, don't try to shut it away and run from it. Let it sit with it, let it happen, and learn how to skillfully deal with it. We are all going to have those moments in our life where everything's falling apart, 
or something unexpectedly horrible happens. Just experience it, let it wash over you, understand what it is, and then learn from it. So what Tony Robbins is saying here, if you lean into your fear and anxiety, then it's not the thing that's going to tear you down. It's not the thing that you're going to be terrified of. If you say, I'm afraid of this, let me think about that more. Let me write down 10 things about it. Let me meditate on it. Let me not avoid it. Let me for the next hour think about this fear. So I'm going after the fear. It's not chasing me down. If you do that, it's not always going to be in the back of your head chasing after you. So let's go on to some more stories here. Let's go to some of the Rising Father community stories. There's, these are real stories of people overcoming things, just regular guys. These guys aren't famous. Um, these are just guys from our community who responded to a prompt. So, first one. I attempted suicide by jumping headfirst out of a third-story loft window. I was being accused of rape and attempted murder at the time. I was also a full-blown alcoholic and drug addict leading up to that point. I ended up severing my spine, and I was told that I may never walk again, along with facing heinous false charges. After several surgeries, I was able to walk again. So I reached out to this guy to get a more full picture of the story. He's now a full-blown success story. He has books. He also does talks. He goes on tours. He does goes on people's podcasts. He does speaking engagements. Um, I might have him on at some point, but he is a full-blown success story. He's doing fine right now. Um, but can you imagine jumping out of a third-story window headfirst and severing your spine after being accused of rape and attempted murder? And now he is doing great. And if you've, if that's never happened to you, think back on your biggest problem you've had in your life. You know, if it was, if it's as big as that, then kudos to you that you've overcame it. If it's not as big as that, then think, whew, I escaped one. I'm doing okay. That, uh, you know, the guy that ran into my car yesterday got a thousand dollar repair. That sucks. But at least I didn't jump headfirst out of a third-story window and sever my spine. You know, what I went through isn't that big of a deal. This morning when that, when that co-worker said something really demeaning to me that I've been thinking about for four hours, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe I can get over that. And that's the point of these stories. It's skillfully dealing with our everyday problems because that affects us as husbands, that affects us as fathers. These little things can affect the way you talk to your kid when you come home from work. You might be thinking, at 4 p.m., you might be thinking of something that was said to you at 10 a.m. that's really not a big deal that you should have forgot about by 10.05. But because you've built it up in your head, and you shouldn't have because it's not a big deal, now it's affecting your job as a father. Now you're a worse father because you allowed a small problem to become a fake monster in your brain. That's the point of these stories. Here's another one. My firstborn son had many different serious issues when he was born. He had a feeding tube for 12 months, surgeries, long hospital stays, cancer scares, scary genetic testing. It was unreal for the first two years, but we got through it. He's five now and doing wonderful. 
he's a fighter. Now, lots of dads listen to this and are in this community. It's called Rising Father. It's all about men, dads, and fathers. So how scary would that be as a, having a newborn, having those medical issues? I remember the first for Nathan, Lauren, when they were first born, you know, you're on edge, okay? You are just thinking, oh my goodness, what is a doctor going to say? Is everything okay? Do they have 10 fingers and 10 toes? Is, you know, what's the medical report? What's their life going to be like? We were extremely fortunate and lucky to have two perfectly healthy kids, no issues. Now, I almost feel guilty about that because when I read some of these, I think, oh my goodness. You know, Mike, when my son had his first real scrape and bruise, someone else was watching him and he fell down the steps. That was a huge moment for me. I remember that. I was really upset about it. And he didn't even get a broken bone. He just had bruises and a couple scrapes. And can you imagine? And for me, I feel stupid thinking, being that upset about it when this kid you know, had serious, had cancer scares, genetic testing, feeding tubes, surgeries at 12 months old. And I was worried about a couple bruises. You know, I'm, we're extremely fortunate. That's another thing these stories do. They, they make you feel fortunate about yourself. And that kind of selfishly, you know, it's a good feeling for me to feel fortunate um, at the expense of these stories. But these people submitted these to help help us learn lessons about ourselves. Here's another one. Stage 3 cancer at 27, have since earned my master's degree, became a father, and am training to enter a strongman competition next fall. That one is a biggie. We go through medical tests. I've had to do some blood work for various things. And you always think, man, what if they find something? Taking x-rays, MRIs, ooh, what if they find a tumor? What if they find something that's not supposed to be there? And you think about it. You, know, you think about it for days until the results come back. You're like, whoosh, nothing happened. Thank goodness. This guy has can had cancer at 27. Then earned his master's degree, became a father, training to enter strongman competition. I still have to. I want to reach back out to him and find out other things about how he's doing right now. But for a lot of people, they could get a diagnosis like that, and that could really impact how they behave the rest of their life. That could be an identifier for who they are. Last podcast, we talked about thoughts that tear men down in episode two. And those were thoughts that kill us on the inside, that help define who we are. You know, say something bad happened to you in your past. You use that memory to create negative thoughts about yourself, which then paint the picture of who you are in your head, which impacts the actions you take the rest of your life. This guy didn't let that happen. Or maybe he did. Maybe he said, maybe he used it as a positive. Maybe he said, this cancer is going to be part of my story. It's going to be my overcoming story. I'm not the guy who had cancer and I'm a victim. I'm the guy who overcame cancer. Two, the same thing happened to this guy. Okay, The same thing could happen to two people. You can either say, I'm the guy that had cancer and it ruined my life. Or you could say, I'm the guy who overcame cancer. So you're either, I'm the guy who got cancer, or I'm the guy who overcame cancer. This guy is number two, and now he has a great story. He's, look at what I overcame. So let's go to some more Tony Robbins. 
we talked about number one, identify your fears. So be honest with yourself. That's where journaling, meditation comes into play. For me personally, journaling is really, really important. I recommend that. Number two, recognize that fear can work to your advantage. Okay, use your fear as a learning tool. Use your fear as your body, your soul telling you what you need to work on. Okay, number three, sit with your fear. He says, there are times for action and times for reflection. Acting too quickly to overcome your fear can lead to behaviors that do more harm than good, like reaching for a drink, indulging in comfort food, or even repressing the feeling entirely. Next time you, fear, you feel fearful, try something new. Do nothing. Sit with your fear for a few minutes. Think about it. What is the root cause? What is the story you tell yourself about why you can't overcome your fear? This isn't to say you shouldn't take action. A moment of reflection can have a great effect on overcoming fear in a way that is productive, deliberate, and effective. So once again, what is the story you are telling yourself about why you can't overcome that fear? You know, maybe you have an issue with figures of authority. You know, maybe at your work, you're just always on edge about what's the boss going to say to me? What is, what is my, you know, if you're a kid, what's the parent going to say to me? What's the teacher going to say to me? Maybe it started with you, for you as a kid like that. And then now it goes to your boss or another someone in, in authority in your life. And you're always kind of worried about what they're going to say to you. Instead of avoiding those people at all times, sit with it. Okay? Write down why you think you have that fear. Why do you think you'll never be able to overcome that fear? And then go face first into that fear. Go talk to the boss. Go talk to the teacher. Go talk to the parent or whoever, whatever person of authority is giving you those thoughts. So sit with it. Number four, create goals that are musts, not shoulds, that are musts. He says, oftentimes the process of overcoming fear becomes stimmied by uninspiring or elusive goals we set for ourselves. To turn this around, ask yourself, what does the life you desire and deserve look like? Is it just a someday maybe plan, or do you actively work towards it? Is it something that is attainable and you're willing to commit to? The first step in overcoming fear is identifying whether or not you're creating a compelling goal. If you accomplish this, you will feel, if you accomplish this, will you feel fulfilled? Conversely, if you don't accomplish this, will you be lost? So do you have clear goals in mind? Are you actively working towards something? Or are you saying, five years from now, it'd be cool if I had a little bit more money? Or a year from now, it'd be nice if I was in better shape. Those are not goals, okay? Those are vague ideas. A goal sounds like 12 months from now, I'm going to be 50 pounds lighter and be able to bench press my body weight. That's a clear-cut goal. Okay, The goal also has to have meaning behind it. If I don't meet this goal next year, I won't live as long as I should, and I'll have less time to spend with my family. I might not get to play with my grandkids if I don't get in shape by next year. If I don't lose 50 pounds by next year, I might not get to spend an extra five years with my grandkids. You say it like that, it has a little bit more meaning. 
then uh, I should stop eating potato chips next year. You know, get crystal clear with what you want to do. Dig deeper into your goal. What is your ideal outcome? Is it financial growth? More money in the bank? Maybe you want the financial independence to travel anytime, anywhere. Consider what your life will look like if you don't achieve this outcome and compare it to what your life will look like if you do achieve it. Once you feel that your goal is essential, the fear of not trying at all eclipses the fear of failure. That's when you'll be inspired to act. So he's giving the example of financial independence. So if you're in a really rough financial spot, say you're working three hourly jobs. We also talked we also talked about this on the last podcast. So say you're working three hourly jobs and have no time to spend with your family. What is your life going to be if you change nothing? You will spend your life at work. Your kids will go off to college not knowing you and you'll have a, a ghost-like relationship with your kids and grandkids, okay? What would it look like if you change that? So you start a, an online business, some type of side hustle that can grow exponentially. You invest in that, and you get to quit two of those jobs, eventually all of them, and work one job that pays you double what you're making right now, working 20 hours a day, and you get to spend lots of time with your kids, lots of time with your grandkids. Here's another famous person story of overcoming obstacles. Now, you may have seen the video, the movie 127 Hours. That's about Aaron Ralston. I've seen that movie. It's amazing, okay? And I've read about the guy. It's an incredible story. If you haven't, here's what it's about. So Ralston will forever be known as the guy who cut his hand off to escape a climbing accident that left him trapped between two boulders. That's what the whole movie 127 Hours is. That's how long he was trapped. So Ralston was climbing in Blue John Canyon in Utah alone. As he shimmied down a canyon, a boulder came loose and trapped Ralston's hand. No one knew he was there, and he had only a little bit of water and a little bit of food. It was up to him to rescue himself. He struggled for three days before deciding to self-amputate in order to extricate himself. But after two days of trying various methods, he nearly gave up. At this point, he was out of water and surviving on his own urine. That is until an idea came to him on day six. He could amputate a portion of his own arm much easier if he could only break his radius and ulna. After an hour of work with a cheap multi-tool, he had amputated his hand successfully and had to still get back to his vehicle, descending a 65-foot wall with one hand. He was eventually discovered by a European family on a campout, and six hours after his self-amputation, he was rescued by authorities. He was found just in time. Ralston was on the brink of death from, from blood loss. He survives today still taking outdoor expeditions and climbing adventures when not giving speeches or having movies made about his life, 127 hours. Can you imagine? Almost, no, you almost can't. If you've seen the movie, you can't imagine. But even that, as gory as that was, wasn't as bad as it was in real life. Having the grit to self-amputate, break your own b body, 
break your own bones, and then do it with a multi-tool. And overcoming that, you know, 99 out of 100 people would give up in that situation and just accept that fate. But he didn't. Here's some more rising father stories of overcoming. And these are people from our Facebook group who submitted these. Here's another amazing story. This guy got stabbed in the neck three times, but pulled out of it, pulled out of it and still survived, still here, doing well. Checked in on this guy. He's got a family. Um, he's doing well. He has kids, and he's doing fine. Okay, there's obviously a lot more to that story, but for some, for you know me, I broke a rib doing jujitsu. That was a big deal to me. This guy got stabbed in the neck three times, and he's doing fine. He survived. Another guy. I had heart disease and was severely overweight. I lost 100 pounds and completely changed my health. That's an amazing story. A lot of us go, go up and down with our weight and health, and we feel like we can never get out of it. This guy lost 100 pounds. That's like an entire person. It's more than an entire person for some people. He lost 100 pounds and completely changed his health. It's amazing. Good for you, man. Another guy, I got clean and sober after over a decade of addiction and alcoholism. I will be someone capable of raising my son and be there for my wife. So already he has the attitude of, I am going to be someone who is an amazing father, an amazing husband, and be there for my wife. So he got clean and sober after over a decade of addiction and alcoholism. A lot of us have had those issues for a long time. So say you've had alcoholism and addiction problems for even longer than that. So you can overcome it. This guy was addicted for a decade, and he overcame it, um, and now he's doing fine. And he has aspirations to be a better person in the future. Next one. I was homeless living out of my vehicle in NWI during winter with a dog. I was working the whole time, but starting over in a new state, finding a career path. I worked every odd construction job I could and found a career within two years and had a nice apartment and bought a muscle car I still have today and learned very valuable lessons. It was a very rough time, but I wouldn't change that time for any of my life. I grew a lot as a young man. So there's a perfect example of using a bad situation to your advantage. Horrible situation of being homeless, being financially broke, just ruined at that moment, doing everything you can to get ahead. And now that is part of his story. He had something horrible happen to him. Now that's part of his success story. You can't have a success story without over without overcoming something. You know, you can't just it can't just be success, 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 success. It has to be I overcame this thing and now I am who I am. Some people not everyone has success stories. Some people have miserable failures and use that as a reason why they can never get up. The people that are successful overcame those failures. Okay, Losers and winners both have failures. The winners use their failures to win. The losers use their failures to continue losing. It's just how you look at it. Are you a victim or are you someone who learned from those mistakes? You know, it's kind of like ping pong. You just ping pong from mistake to mistake. You go this way, you learn something. You fail, you learn something. Boom, you go up a little bit. You fail, you learn something, boom, you go up a little bit. It's not a straight line. Very few people do that. Um, you've got to fail and you have to continue learning. And when you fail, you've got to learn from it. Don't let it get you down. You have to sit with it, like Tony Robbins said, and learn from your mistakes. Don't run from them. 
Let's go back to Tony Robbins. I think we left off at um, number four, create goals that are musts. Number five, he says, recognize the excuses. Okay. Fear makes you put things off. I'm really tired. I have other stuff to do. It's a dumb idea anyway. These excuses probably sound familiar, don't they? It's a scam. You've probably said this out loud and to yourself. Think about it. Is there any truth to these statements? Or are you constructing excuses to avoid potential failure? It's much easier and less painful to make excuses than it is to put in the long hours and energy it will take to work towards your goal. But excuses and opting out will ultimately leave you feeling unfulfilled. If you want to find out how to conquer fear, you will need to take a different proactive approach. That is an amazing paragraph right there. A lot of people say, I'm a perfectionist. I can't start this because it's not perfect. All 100 steps aren't laid out in advance, so I can't start this thing right now. Okay, is that the truth? Or is that you putting off the failure you think might happen? It's easier to say that than to put in the long hours and do the work, is what he's saying. He says, recognize when you are using excuses and figure out how to overcome them. Are you too tired? Okay, then adjust your schedule so you can get a better night's sleep. Not enough time? Assess your priorities and find out where you can make time. Like me saying, I didn't have time to meditate. He says, and the next time an excuse comes to you, make the decision to not give in to the little voice telling you no, because it won't help you grow in the long run. So that negative um, voice that keeps on telling you no, keeps on giving you an excuse as to why you can't do the thing that will ultimately help you, that voice isn't going to help you grow. That voice is holding you back. It's creating excuses. And that's a rough one to take in, especially for us guys. You know, I know guys don't want to hear that. A lot of guys want to just feel like they're doing everything they can and they want to kind of put the rest on autopilot. You know, for the next, I'm 45 years old. I've got five, five, ten more years of working. I'm on autopilot. I've got it all figured out. Maybe, or maybe we've been making excuses as to why we can't do the thing we've actually wanted to do. Maybe you had a, a rock-solid goal five years ago that you put off for the fear of failure, and you've been making excuses as to why you can't go after it. That's a hard paragraph to read and to analyze yourself with. Number six, surround yourself with success. He says, proximity is power. This is also known as the law of attraction or the idea that in essence, you become the people you surround yourself with. Tony says, whatever you hold in your mind on a consistent basis is exactly what you will experience in your life. If you've turned your shoulds into musts and recognized all your excuses, but still aren't sure how to overcome fear and put your goals into action, it's time to examine your focus. People who are truly focused on overcoming fear and achieving their dreams surround themselves with others who have the same mindset. These are people who you not only look up to, but who will push you to achieve your goals. To overcome fear, you need to raise your standards and allow others to hold you accountable. That's what the Rising Father Facebook group's all about. We have world champion 
jujitsu experts in there. We have some of the fittest people on earth, CrossFit champions. We have um, expert millionaire business people who've trained people to earn seven figures. It's surrounding yourself with success. So that's why joining groups is so important. Joining group friend groups that are important. Choosing your friends is extremely important. If you have kids, keeping a close eye early on on who your kids are friends with is extremely important. If you're feeling down, you have to take a close eye at who you're hanging out with. You know, at lunchtime at work, who are you talking to? Is it the guy who bitches nonstop? If it is, if you feel yourself going home and just kind of being negative and wanting to lay down on the couch, maybe it's because at work you're just surrounded by negative people. Say you're at a job, you want to eventually quit, so you can't spend more time with your kids. And you have to start making more of yourself to be able to start a business, do all that kind of stuff. Well, then you can't be around those kind of people. You have to be around people who want more to help motivate you. And sometimes that means saying goodbye to people who are toxic to you. A lot of times we just accept toxic people in our lives because it's comfortable. Try your hardest to find people who help lift you up. Go searching for them. They are out there. That might mean going to a networking event. That might mean joining a new Facebook group. That might mean you know joining the Masons or some other group of people that will help you rise. Adopt a growth mindset. When you're afraid, you tend to stay in one place. What if you make a mistake? What if you fail? You start to believe you can't progress at all, that you're incapable of it. The fear holds you back. One of the most powerful tips to overcome fear and anxiety is to adopt a growth mindset. It's not about achieving your goals and being perfect every step of the way. No one is ever perfect all the time, so stop tr striving for that. It's about getting comfortable with what you don't know and continuing anyway. This is the foundation of a growth mindset. He says, no matter how many mistakes you make or how slow your progress, you're still way ahead of everyone who isn't trying. As you work to overcome fear, you will, re you will realize that there will be lots of trials and tribulations along the way. As soon as you've accepted that the path to success includes growth and change, you'll be one step closer to attaining your goals. So no matter how slow you're going, you're still miles ahead of most people. Because most people are af afraid of failing, and most people are afraid of the mistakes that they're going to make. So they're more comfortable where they are. It's easier to be comfortable than being uncomfortable and having that fear of failure. So even if someone you know is going 10 times faster than you, as long as you're working towards your goal, you'll get there. It may take you longer, but you're still way ahead of the people who aren't even trying. Let's go back to some of the rising father stories from our community. This one, the guy says, I lost a child at birth. It nearly killed me. I then began to drink and became a hardcore alcoholic for 16 years. As of tomorrow, I am 33 weeks sober. I can't even imagine. That is the worst thing that probably could ever happen to me is losing a child. And to lose one at birth is unimaginable for me. But it does happen to people. It does. It's part of life. Saying it doesn't happen is just lying to yourself. And it will happen again to more people. So it happened to him and nearly killed him. Sent him spiraling. And now he's overcoming it. Now he's 33 weeks sober. Okay, that's more than enough time to create a positive habit. 
good for you, man, for overcoming that. I don't know what I would do in that situation. I don't know who I would become if I was in that situation. Okay, that is the worst thing I could even imagine. So kudos to you for doing that. Um, a guy said, my wife, myself, and our four kids packed all of our worldly belongings into a U-Haul and drove across the state to an apartment that we were approved for, only to be told when we arrived, oh, we gave that apartment to someone else. Meant to call you, oops. And we ended up at a campground sleeping in a tent and cooking on a stove. A few years later, we have a home, good jobs, two vehicles, and we even get to travel a little. There's nothing you can't do when you dig deep and always complete the mission. Another guy with a great attitude. So basically, it sounds like they were living out of a tent for, for at least two years. And they packed everything they have into a truck and drove across the country to an apartment that was already given to someone else. Yeah, how do you explain that to your kids? My kids get upset when they have the wrong snack. Okay, today I was dealing with an issue. My wife made a special snack for our kids. She was really excited about it. She made crescent rolls with my daughter loves crescent rolls and she loves hot dogs. So my wife cooked some hot dogs, put them in crescent rolls, wrapped them up like pigs in a blanket. We showed them. She put all the snacks out. My daughter wouldn't eat them. She was like trying to pick the crescent roll off it and slowly walked upstairs silently. And then my son likes peanut butter and jelly, likes crescent rolls. So we thought, hey, let's put them all together. So she made put peanut butter and jelly in a crescent roll. He didn't like it. I loved them. I loved everything. She made pepperoni ones. She made um, put kielbasa in some. So I had a great snack. She had a great snack. Our kids couldn't handle that. So we're going to end with the last three steps from Tony Robbins of how to overcome your fear. So number eight, he says, find valuable insight in pain. No one likes pain. Most of us go to great lengths to avoid it. But pain is a profound teacher. If you accept that your life and your efforts to achieve your goals will be painful at times, painful experiences become opportunities for growth. When you let go of pain as a threat to your survival, it loses its power and becomes another tool for overcoming fear. Everyone experiences hardships in life. It doesn't matter whether your setbacks are personal or professional. We all experience them. What matters are the lessons you take from those experiences and how you apply them to your future. Instead of letting pain and fear dictate your decisions, actively choose to learn from those painful moments to be in control of your own life. So once again, not avoiding the trauma, not avoiding the pain, leaning into it. And if you can conquer the pain, you can conquer anything. Number nine, visualize your goals. You've done the mental work, identifying the real reasons you're holding yourself back and determining your must-haves in life. But overcoming fear requires you practice these habits daily so they will lead to true action. Tony says, identify your problems, but give your power and energy to solutions. So sit with the pain, sit with the fear, understand the problems, write them down, but give your power and energy to the solutions. Goal visualization is one of these solutions. It's used by some of the most successful athletes, actors, and entrepreneurs like Michael Phelps, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Will Smith, and women's soccer, Carly Lloyd, among others. Goal visualization sets your focus, and where your focus goes, energy flows. It can take the form of priming, 
meditation or imagery training. The important thing is that you see yourself succeeding and fully immerse yourself in your goal. You'll condition your brain to believe that anything is possible, a key step to overcoming fear. And just imagine what you would be like after a week, after a month, after a year of imagining yourself as a successful, confident person. How different would that be than what currently goes through your head? You would be a different person. Whenever you think about yourself dealing with a situation, you would see yourself succeeding instead of seeing yourself failing. How do you think you would react in that situation? So say you're going to a networking meeting and you want to close a couple clients. If you think about yourself failing and screwing up and getting nervous, you're probably going to do that. If you see yourself succeeding, being confident and talking well, you're probably going to do that. So even if you think both of those things are lying to yourself, wouldn't you rather do the positive one? The only thing that matters is what the result is. So do the thing that's going to help you and build your own confidence and self-image. Number 10, accept that you will fail. We talked about this a lot in podcast two as well. What's the number one fear people have when it comes to accomplishing their goals? That they'll fail. But like pain, failure can teach us. In fact, failure is often a better teacher than success. If you accept from the onset that failure is an inevitable part of success, you'll be less afraid of it. Failure can provide you with valuable learning experiences that will positively impact your future strategies. Everyone fails. Successful business owners, world leaders, prominent chefs, artists, scientists, and doctors. Our society shies away from talking about failure and instead celebrates successes. This creates the false impression that to be truly successful, you must never fail. But overcoming fear is recognizing that everyone on the planet, including those you know and admire, has encountered failure on their path to greatness. The quicker you realize your fear of failure is preventing you from making the decision to accomplish your dreams, the sooner you'll be able to accept the possibility of failing and move on. How do you respond to fear is what sets you apart from the rest of the crowd. Break through your own barriers, break through your own barriers and unleash the power within. It's a Tony Robbins book. So those are the 10 steps from Tony Robbins to overcoming your fear um, of failure and just overcoming fear in general. All of these stories hopefully taught us that the things we're going through aren't that big of a deal. If they are that big of a deal, hopefully it gave you some insight and hope that you'll be able to get through it and you know your life's not going to fall apart. People have had horrible tragedies happen. Guys have been jumped guys have jumped out of third story windows and survived and are doing well and writing books and live to tell about it. So no matter what we're going through, we can get through it and hopefully these stories helped you out that. 